Honorable my lord, we fight against two features which are the hallmarks of African life in South Africa and which are entrenched by legislation which we seek to have repealed. These features are poverty and lack of human dignity. Mkai, this is an um, an extract for podcast from the Ravonia trial itself. This is uh, Mr. Mandela um, uh, in court, uh, and uh, these are the moments leading up to his his um, lifetime sentence. Uh, Mr. Bezos, you were present not only in the crafting of 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 these words, but also in the presentation of these words. Would you just let us in and how the you know what are the what are the emotions? What are the what are the thinking? Uh, 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 around the crafting of these words? Well, the Rivania accused um, were arrested in June 1963. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, yes, 63. But Nelson Mandela had gone without permission overseas, mm-hmm. came back, was caught and charged with... Uh, leaving the country without document, and also for organizing a big strike in Natal. When he went out throughout the African countries to seek uh, assistance for the resistance, particularly with Mkwanto, who sees where, he uh, was caught here in Natal, put on trial. He conducted his own defense. Uh, the, the event is described as a black man in white man's court and uh, said that I am here uh, for a white magistrate, a white prosecutor, <laughs> a w- white policeman. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and he made a speech, mm. which is really setting out the uh, difficulties in life by black people, mm. including people who were professionals and an attorney like uh, himself, and he was sentenced to five years imprisonment. Eighteen months later, the Rivania accused were arrested in Rivania, but he was a prisoner on Robben Island. Mm. Much to our surprise, on the day before the appearance in court in Pretoria prison. Nelson Mandela was brought into the consulting room as a prisoner with short trousers, uh, leather, not leather, uh, shoes made out of motor car uh, wheel yes. and a tunic. And he became accused number one, even though he was not caught at uh, on the river, farm itself. On the farm itself, but the police found his documents there. He had given instructions that they should be kept uh, away from there, but uh, uh, the instructions were not carried out, and the documents proved beyond any doubt that he was the founder of Umkonto Wasizwe, that he was the founder of the underground, and the decision to go over to violence with the condition that there should not be human loss of life. And, of course, Walter Susulu, Governor Mbeki, and the others embraced him regretted the fact that he would be 
I choose number one. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he took a leading role in the defense. He had given evidence as an accused in the treason trial, which had lasted five and a half years, and they were acquitted. And he was led by a great advocate, Sidney Kentridge, and the record really is available and it shows how uh, good a witness he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judge asked him a question, Judge Becker, you want one man, one vote. You know, women didn't count those mm-hmm. days. One yes. man, one vote. Uh, are you prepared to settle for something less? Because we whites are afraid that if the blacks take over, we will be thrown into the sea. And Can we have some way in between? And he said, we black people have been knocking on the door of the white man for over 50 years. They have never opened it. If you have something, put it on the table. I can't answer it. My organization must answer it. And then we can start a dialogue. Of course, his request was uh, not taken seriously. But in the Rivonia trial, an indictment was presented, which was faulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brown Fisher was the leading advocate. Arthur, Arthur Chaskelson was. Vernon Berenger was. And so was I. Mm-hmm. And the prosecutor, Dr. Utah, who was very proud to be appointed the prosecutor uh, because he uh, he was a Jew, deputy attorney general. No Jew had ever been appointed attorney general. He thought that he was chosen because he was a good prosecutor in order to, to prosecute, but he, he made serious mistakes in his hurry to put the indictment Mm. over and he concentrated on political slogans rather than facts Mm. and we uh, applied for the question of the indictment and the indictment was quashed by Judge DeVette as not complying sufficiently with the rules and giving facts. Mm. That's the first indictment. Before we get to the second indictment, yes, because that's 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 the one you know, um, yes. that's the one that subsequently led. What's curious about about not only this trial but your involvement in the trial? Yes, um, you you are white and yeah. you are also taking part in the cause of the African people. What is it about your history that gave you, I would say, the courage to? To, to to look at human rights as human rights uh, and and to forgo as you indicate an individual such as uh, Utah who was prosecuting the matter who obviously was looking at the invitation to prosecute the matter as a career progression what 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 distinguished you uh, from that what what is it about your upbringing that that sort of gave you the ability to forgo what would have appeared to a young advocate then as as being anti the government? I was a 13-year-old refugee from Nazi-occupied Greece. And uh, my father was mayor of the village. He was kicked out of office in '36 because he was a Democrat. And And the dictator took over. I came here as a refugee. The first impression that I got in relation to black people in South Africa was from the deck of the ship. Black men with torn, dirty vests, short trousers, 
barefooted, pulling rickshaws, loaded with vegetables and other things, delivering them to the ship. And we were told in Egypt, you have a choice between going to India or South Africa. And it was rumored that in South Africa you can pick up diamonds and gold on the pavement. <laughs> My father chose uh, South Africa. I, I. But, <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw that, I saw that, I thought to myself, what country have we come to? Hmm. And I didn't go to school. Is, for is the, the experience uh, with these men sea. on the ship, was it in Egypt or was it in South Africa? South Africa and Durban as soon as in we Durban. arrived. Yes. You see? And that, that made a very bad impression on me. <laughs> Even whilst we were on the ship, we were 145 refugees and one of the fellow refugees saw somebody with a... a uh, with uh, uh, fishing, with uh, throwing it on a, from a from a stick, and he said, "You know, we were poor, but we could at least afford in Greece a dynamite in order to throw it into the sea." Collect the fish. <laughs> yeah, this man is helping to catch fish with a little stick, and uh, uh, and we came to Johannesburg. Mm. We didn't. We were not let out at the big station. A few days after. Is that the park station? Park station. Mm. We were. We got off at a cattle station just past the university on top of Fordsburg and I asked is it the is it the Bromfontein station the, the Bromfontein station mm -hmm. and I asked why didn't we get out at the big station because we lived near there and I used to go <laughs> watch the trains coming and going and I was told that there was a uh, there was a group of people protesting that uh, Jan Smuts was bringing the failhood of Europe <laughs> to to South Africa. But I actually didn't go to school for three years. Mm -hmm. I was. My father's picture and mine were in the Sunday Times under the heading Greek Farmer's Odyssey because my father took seven New Zealand soldiers who were trapped in Nazi-occupied Greece into a small boat to get out and to go to Crete. We didn't know that Crete had fallen. Uh, but uh, we were treated uh, well as refugees in Egypt uh, for about three, three and a half months. And then uh, we came here. And I worked in a shop. And a woman came in and looked at me and looked at me again and said, are you the boy whose picture was in the paper with his father? I said, yes. What school do you go to? I said, I don't go to school. What? <laughs> she called the boss, <laughs> said, I'm a teacher. I'm coming on Monday morning. I am taking him and you better let him wear his best and you must buy him a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> and she really took charge of me and changed my life. Is that the first time you had been going to school or had you been going to school in Greece? Oh, yes. No, I had passed the equivalent of standard six in Greece, was mm. 13. I was watching an interview uh, of you uh, immediately following the passing of, of, of Mr. Mandela, and you were speaking in Greek. And I, I, for the first time, that's how I came to know um, that, that you have origins in, 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 in Greece. 
it's quite remarkable that having left at 13, you should be able to still speak the language. Well, uh, I majored in ancient Greek at Wits University ah. when, I met, <laughs> when I met Nelson Mandela. And uh, uh, Greek has a very rich uh, literature, poetry, uh, songs, uh, and I kept up with it to, to this day. We went uh, to Greece for two weeks with Grasha, Nelson, my wife, and he, he was very, very impressed. Uh, he really enjoyed it, and he showed his character. We went to the Temple of Poseidon outside Athens mm -hmm. on a Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. There were 5,000 people there. And there was a cafe. And the cafe, having been told that Mr. Mandela, his security, and a couple of friends were coming, put tables and they put a rope around to keep the crowd. As soon as Nelson Mandela came and sat down, the crowd started coming towards the place and around this rope. And what did Nelson say characteristically? go and tell the owner to take this rope away and let the, each child here that wants to come and shake my hand to do so. Yeah. He stood there with over 50 children. And, and shook all their hands. shook hands. What's your name? For some, uh, most of them were children of tourists that spoke English and some Greek, but he patted them on the head, and he had a great, he had a great uh, time. Two things I want to pick up on before I go to the break. Um, I, I, was, I was reading um, conversations with, uh, with myself, yeah. um, of, of uh, Mr. Nelson Mandela, and what he was saying in there, remarkably, as you, when you're talking about um, a, a Greek literature, he was saying one of the things that he regrets about his, 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 his life in office is that he couldn't Re, uh, read uh, Kosa literature and African literature and, and he promised himself that upon retirement he'd focus on that so very interesting but also a personal experience I had with him he came to my school um, and, and he made a statement uh, a speech and he said he said to us that if he could have it his way he would take all of us and put us in his chest, chest pocket so that we can be close to his heart. And I never forget that statement. Uh, <laughs> so his no, love he, for children is... No, no, he, he really... There is something that every prisoner really suffers most. Can't embrace his own children. Yeah. Can't... And you know what they did? They were children of the warders on the island. And uh, particularly, uh, uh, one, or one of them said that he would climb on a chair on the little opening at the top in order to see children of white children of the waters actually going down to the harbor to, oh, to, to the, because children were a rare sight. They were so, You've been uh, you part of the Twenty One Icons campaign, um, and 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 that is that is a campaign that recognizes um, individuals who have achieved remarkable results in in their field of expertise. What is the campaign about, and and for you personally, it, it, what what does it do? You know, is it something that you're proud to to be associated with? Well, I am proud. <laughs> uh, uh, I was the founding chairman of a school, Saheti school, Greek school, but yes. non-racial. That's the one that uh, Walter Sisulu's son went to. No, uh, Hani's. Chris Hani's school. I, I read uh, Sisulu's son. Yes, uh, daughters. Okay, daughters, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and his grandchild is, is there now. Okay. Uh, but... Um, I feel 
proud that uh, I have been nominated uh, and uh, uh, I don't want the money that uh, uh, there is uh, the George Bezos uh, uh, <coughs> bursary fund. Uh, we have over 80 ch- children who are supported mm. uh, out of the 1,300 that they're there now. Mm. And um, I'm pleased with it. Mm. But, uh, you know, uh, I think that I'm given too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I uh, want to return to the Rivonia trial. Yes. I have been uh, named as the author of the words that Mr. Mandela uttered. Mm-hmm. He said that these are the principles I lived for. It is principles for which I am prepared to die. Yes. I thought and discussed it with him. You may be accused of seeking martyrdom. Why do you want to say that you are prepared to die? His answer was, in the platforms of Alexander and Soweto and uh, this, that, and the other, I said, I am prepared to die for the freedom of the people of South Africa. If I don't say it, They'll say, oh, you know, he had a big mouth (laughs) when he was speaking, but now when he has to face the death sentence, he doesn't say anything. I'm going to say it. And I persuaded him to add the words, if needs be. This is what I believe in. If needs be, I am prepared to die to achieve it. Those who say that that saved his and the other lives don't know the whole history. The people of the world are responsible in their thousands, if not millions, in what response there was after that first indictment was quashed. Throughout the world there was a call Freed, free the Ravonia accused. And I have reason to believe that both the United States and the United Kingdom, who were doing good business with apartheid South Africa, actually sent a message. Don't sentence them to death. And I have... Why I believe that is that the Consul General of uh, the United Kingdom, the night before the sentence was to be passed, I was in his house recognizing Alan Payton, what he was going to say. Hmm in uh, mitigation of sentence the next morning. When Peyton and his wife, who were staying with the consul, went upstairs, the consul told me, George, don't worry. There will not be a death sentence tomorrow and Bernstein is going to be acquitted. And this is exactly what happened. How did he know? Oh, my goodness. And the inference that I draw is that pressure was put and by those two big countries. And also, I learned from Anthony Sampson, who wrote the, the biography of uh, Nelson Mandela. When I told him the story, he was a... British journalist, 
he will to find out where does this consul general come from. He was the senior MI5 of the, of the United <laughs> Kingdom and the consul in Johannesburg. So you can put two and two together <laughs> that the, the regime was actually said, look, we support you as far as we can. There is this worldwide campaign, release them. If you sentence them to death, the whole world is going to be up in arms against you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what saved their lives. Do you think that Nelson Mandela was alive to the international attention that was given to this matter? Or was he merely talking to the individuals in South Africa you've referred to in Alexandra and Soweto? During the trial, we were inundated. This was before the uh, faxes and the things, telegrams yeah. from Australia, uh, China, the uh, India, South America, Europe, release the, <laughs> release the accused. Yeah. And uh, naturally, uh, we showed them all these telegrams. There were a lot of uh, protests, particularly in France, the United Kingdom, the United States, and particularly at the universities. Now let's move back, uh, uh, let's move from 1963-64 and go back to 1948 when you met Nelson Mandela at, at Witwatersrand University. Yes. W would you explain, did, did he, did, just your encounter with him, did it appear to you that this was uh, uh, an extraordinary uh, uh, student and, and or was he just a, a normal student? And, I must give you a picture of what was happening at Witts University in 1948 when the Nationalists won the election. Yes. Post-war, black people were admitted to the University of Witts, Cape Town, a small number in Durban, and when... Dr. Milan became prime minister. He made no, no mistake. White universities, keep your whiteness. Don't admit black students. Nelson was there. Matlana was there, who became Dr. Dr. Matlana, yes. G, Dr. G was there. Yeah. The Students' Representative Council raised money for the admission of 12 doctors at the medical school. And here now is Milan saying, uh, don't admit them. And on a personal level, yeah. uh, the uh, Milan said to one of his members of parliament who asked what is happening at this universe he said he was in touch with the authorities of the universe and he was told that the trouble was made by a small group of leftists but most students were Okay. Okay. Yes, compliant. Compliant. There was the next day, there was a uh, meeting in the Great Hall, a protest meeting. I was a first year student, but three and, a, three and almost four years older than the average fresher. And, uh, uh, Milan, when he said that he had been told that there was only a small group of leftist students, what got into my head? I got up 
And I said, if wanting equal treatment of our black fellow students makes me a leftist, I'm proud to be one. Mm. Next morning, front page, links hasn't and trots the rope. <laughs> so so at, at that point in your life, the first headline is, here comes the farmer from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one, left wing, <laughs> yeah. says he's proud. Yeah, to- and this is what happened. Uh, and Nelson Mandela was not at that meeting because he was actually working as a clerk in uh, in 48. But there was a meeting called by the uh, Indian students where were twice as many as the black students. But they felt threatened as well. And they had a lunchtime meeting and I went there. And who was the speaker? Nelson. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, that's your first encounter? First encounter. And somebody told him, I think, that this is the guy that said... <laughs> In the newspaper. <laughs> and when the meeting was over, he came to me and he said, where did you come from? What made you say that? What do you want to be? We became friends. And you, you had common ground? Common ground common ground and uh, later when uh, he was actually uh, prevented from becoming the first advocate I wanted to talk about that yes Uh, he failed three subjects he went and asked for supplementary examinations Professor Harlow a very good teacher said, look, being an advocate is not going to happen to a black person. Mm. Why don't you go, I'll give you credit for some subjects that you pass, and become an attorney. You'll never become an advocate. And that happened. So his first prize was to be an advocate. Absolutely. He wanted to be the first advocate uh, in, from Witts University. Uh, but he never managed. And he struggled all his life. But Even he couldn't be the first attorney because there was already uh, Mr. Mangena and Pixie Gassem. Oh, yes. yes. And he, he admired them. Mm-hmm. And they were people who had started uh, the uh, Youth League. Yes. He had become a leader of the Youth League, and he actually thought that being being an advocate, the first, would be... uh, uh, But he never managed it. But then he attained another achievement, which is forming a, 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 a union with Tambo and having a firm called Mandela Tambo. Mandela and Tambo directly opposite the magistrate's court. And Chancellor House. Chancellor House, which now, by the way, we have, uh, I am of the committee, on which uh, it has become one of the scenes that tourists are, mm. are going to. The, the, the council took it over and made it a heritage uh, yes. site. But uh, he had trouble as an attorney. Yes. He went to Kempton Park, and there was a magistrate. I appear for the accused, Your Worship. And who are you? Yes. My name is Nelson Mandela. Where is your certificate? I don't carry it with me. (laughs) He turns to the accused. You have the right to conduct your own defense, or if you want a postponement, I'll give you one to find another attorney. This is not an attorney. Hmm. Cut a long story short, I, as a young advocate in 1954, 
and Nelson spent the whole of Saturday, did a petition to unseat the magistrate. And you were with him? And uh, uh, no, I wasn't with him there. In, I, 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 uh, in the petition, I mean. In the petition. We went to Pretoria with the petition on Tuesday morning. Judge Devet, the one that sent it to him to... The one that would later. later My goodness. Uh, was very angry with the magistrate and said, everybody in South Africa knows who Mandela is. <laughs> How come you don't recognize him and you behave in this way? Get off that bench, as they claim in the petition, and uh, let another magistrate do the case. Now, I want to just digress a bit. The same person who seems to have a sense of justice and 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 uh, is 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 condemning the the conduct of the magistrate is the same person, uh, Mr. Mandela, and yourself would later appear before. Did you did that experience in 1954 give you some hope at a sense of justice in in in, in 1963 64? You know, as strange as it may sound. There were a few magistrates and proportionately more judges who actually had a sense of justice. They had no pity for people who were uh, taking part in uh, violent behavior in the 60s. But there were magistrates and judges who were not prepared to implement unjust laws. Mm-hmm. A young black poet was asked, where's your pass? Sorry, I don't have one. Where are you, who are you working for? I'm a writer and a poet. Mm. He is charged with the offense of being a vagrant mm-hmm. and sentenced to two years' imprisonment on a farm somewhere. Judge Didcot in Natal had to review that. He was absolutely incensed, and he gave a very short judgment. And this was a judge appointed by the regime that any law which is not just, I am not prepared to enforce. He got into trouble with the appellate division, but we had judges actually, who were not prepared, for instance, (laughs) to convict Winnie Mandela, whom I uh, defended shortly after their marriage. (laughs) Nelson found me and said, George, I married trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I said, what is it? He said, Winnie is charged with assaulting a policeman. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, she better come up. And she came. Uh, and she told me why. It was very early in the morning. The security policeman, and without knocking on the door, opened the door, came into the bedroom. She was not properly dressed. And he grabbed her by the hand and took her because she'd taken part in some uh, protest uh, march and tried to pull her out of the bedroom. And she said she doesn't know how, but her elbow managed (laughs) to hit him on the chin. Reasonably possibly true. (laughs) (laughs) And he fell down. He fell down and he charged. And he was a terrible witness. I think he felt ashamed to be floored (laughs) 
but by a woman and uh, I actually told her and she was very proud put it in her book <laughs> that I said to her Winnie when you walk in I want you to walk in like a lady not an Amazon <laughs> <laughs> but I want to compare that to an, another story she acquitted he acquitted her acquitted but it, it's you know it's 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 that it's that sense of justice you speak of. Nelson Mandela said um, in 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 one of the books I read that he was um, defending a black individual accused of rape, uh, of raping a white woman, and when this woman was supposed to come and testify against her, against him, um, he couldn't. She couldn't bring herself to admit that she had actually had intercourse, albeit by through rape. With a black man, and on that basis, Mr. Mandela won the case. Well, the uh, the other, and uh, it's been made public. <laughs> a, a woman accused uh, an employer accused her a black employee of uh, of um, uh, st- stealing stealing her clothes and clothes were produced (laughs) and uh, she was asked to identify them as her clothes and uh, Nelson picked up a panty (laughs) (laughs) and said, is this yours? <laughs> she, she walked out of the witness box. <laughs> and the, the accused was discharged. <laughs> I don't want to leave the impression that this is only going to be a Jewish-black issue. There are a great many Cuban-Americans in this country who will be just as offended by some of the comments you've made about Fidel Castro in Cuba. No, Mr. Coppell, I don't agree with you. I am saying that uh, it would be a grave mistake for us to consider our attitude towards Yasser Arafat on the basis of the interests of the Jewish community. We sympathize with the struggles of the Jewish people and their persecution right down the years. In fact, In our own country, in the political trials that have taken place, when few lawyers were prepared to defend us, it has been the Jewish lawyers who have come forward to defend us. I myself, I myself was articled, I'm a lawyer by profession, and I was trained to become a lawyer by a Jewish firm. But that does not mean to say that uh, the enemies of Israel are our enemies. We refuse to take that position. For anybody who changes his principles depending on whom he is dealing, that is not a man who can lead a nation. Mr. Bezos, so many questions arise from that statement and, and together with two other clips that we've played. The interesting thing for me uh, is Mr. Mandela was groomed to be a chief when he was growing up and, and it is said that he experienced very, various tribunals adjudicating matters, adjudicating um, uh, uh, issues of leadership and, and, and he's brought up in that environment. And then you move forward. The the training of a lawyer. In dealing with him as a lawyer, did you find that 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 his history and his his upbringing, his training as a lawyer, helped him as a statesman? Because one often has a difficulty when advising as a lawyer advising uh, political heads today, because you there's the legal argument and there's a legal opinion, but then it has to be viewed against political, socio-economic considerations and merging those two. Was he able to navigate those two things? Oh, he navigated it very well from very early on and particularly in prison. Mm. 
Six weeks after he was sent to the island, I went to visit him. Early in the morning, I stood at the place where the consultation was taking place. And the Bucky came from behind the hill where he was, the prison was. And with eight warders, two in front, two in the back, two on the left, two on the right. He was setting the pace. I don't know what experience you have with prisoners. You know, they put their head down and... Mm -hmm. uh, he was marching, looking up, mm. waved at me when he saw me. I waved past the first two and embraced him. him. He embraced me. He wanted to know how Winnie was. He wanted to know how the children were and how Arati, my wife, and my children were whilst we were there. And uh, by gesture, uh, Brom Fisher was a short man. Mm -hmm. His underground name was Shorty. So he went like this. So you're making a gesture of a short person short, asking if he's okay if with he's a thumbs okay. up. And I said, you know, he was still free. That pleased him. And then he turns around and says, George, you know, I haven't been in this place very long, but I've lost my manners. I should have introduced you to my guard of honor. <laughs> and he, there he was. Pete van der Merwe, Jan, <laughs> so one after the other, they sort of touched my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but times changed. Yes. Particularly about seven or eight years later, he had one over some of the warders. Mm -hmm. And the attitude of the ordinary warders changed. So much so that some of them were transferred because they became too friendly with, the, with this man because they had problems. Here was a lawyer, they would ask. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they would ask and he was... Uh, generous with his advice. Uh, uh, one thing that struck me about your story, uh, particularly your experience in when you first arrived in Durban, is 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 this you know the the sight that you 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 record as as just sort of shaking you somewhat and and it's comparable to uh, Ab Abraham Lincoln when when he says the first time he left uh, 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 the plantation of his father he he saw uh, slave people being whipped. Um, and and that sort of you know it, it it incensed him as well, and I want to liken it to what he subsequently did in 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 his life as a, as a president of the United States. He you know he had this conflict between obeying laws that are supporting and promoting slavery, uh, and also trying to abolish it and where possible, sort of breaking the law. And that compares to what Mandela was doing because, on the one hand, he's alive to to the unjust uh, laws that exist at the time, but on the other hand, he 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 he's a man of the law, and he 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 respects the laws, and 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 that balance, that balanced. How was the conflict in your assessment between trying on the one hand to observe the rules of law, and on the other hand, instilling and changing them to 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 incorporate? It wasn't it wasn't the only thing that happened. Mm. I was working in a shop. I was sleeping in the backyard. Mm. So was Jim. Tall, smart guy. He was the driver of the bus. I could go upstairs to the flats, have a shower or a bath. I had to bring down a bucket of water for him mm. to wash warm water. Mm. <laughs> and you know what? 
he was the driver of the bus. And the bus sang Greek freedom songs. Jim picked them up, but they didn't know what they made. The irony of, 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 of this suppression and racism, isn't it? Yeah. And he, we became friends, Jim and I. Mm. And he told me he lived in Alex. And he became ill. And I was ill with uh, uh, and a Greek doctor visited me. Jim became ill. Hmm. And the boss, uh, I suggested that the doctor should see Jim. And he said, no, 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 no. No, I can't. White men see a black. And what happened was that one of the customers said he saw the name of a black doctor, the chairman of the of the ANC, Dr. Kuhn. Mm. And he came and saw Jim with his white coat. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there were there was one thing upon another in which the inhumanity of uh, the attitude of white people to black people were and uh, I wasn't prepared to put up with it and I, mm. well, we, we became uh, we became very very close friends and also with Oliver Tambo. Mm -hmm. We went with Oliver Tambo to Pretoria. The registrar said that the judge to hear the urgent application didn't want to come to court to go to, go to his home to stop an execution on a Saturday for Monday. Hmm. And the registrar said, Oliver drove me to the house. And the registrar said he could, couldn't come into the judge's house. Mkaya, that was the law report with the very great uh, advocate George Bezos. If you want to find out more about 21 Icons, please visit www.21icons.com or you can follow them on Twitter at 21 Icons. Mr. Bezos is, is amongst the deserving uh, icons that are, that, are, that are represented there. My special thanks to you, uh, uh, Advocate George Bezos, this has been an absolute privilege for me, and I trust Mkaya, it's been the same for you. Well, thank you very much for asking me, and I wish you well.